We're in Genesis chapter 1, and uh, I don't know what message this is. This is like message 5 or 6, I think, and uh, we're on verse, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be starting, in, we'll, we'll actually be progressing from verse 9 today. I, I promise you, the pace will speed up, okay? But... Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get to work. If you want a set of hard notes, just keep your hand up till somebody finds you. But we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna get to work. It, you know, there's a lot in Genesis chapter one, and so if we're passive, we're not gonna get it, right? We wanna be ready students. We wanna be uh, like, like Samuel. We don't want God's word to fall to the ground. We wanna be like Ezra. We wanna be a ready scribe, amen? So turn to your neighbor and tell them, pastor's getting ready to pray for you, and then you need to get to work. Okay, let's have some, we need expectation. So Father, you, you see, you know, it's like, it's like you said in your word, um, except the Lord built, except you built the house, right? Then we labor in vain, and, and Lord, it's, it, it's interesting that it pleases you to take weak and foolish people and according to 1 Corinthians chapter one, you use uh, the rejected of this world to bring great glory to your name. And so we're just all gathered here at 40th and Walnut saying, God, we're qualified for you to be greatly glorified in and through us. And, and so Lord, would you, would you have your way with this time? And, and we're gonna see a lot of facts about creation, Lord, and, and be in awe over who you are and what you're able to do. Uh, your power is literally without limit and Lord, I pray that in all of that, the awe and the wonder, we'd just be submitted to you. That Lord, we'd be full of faith that you can speak to our heart and we'll be changed. Lord, you can, you can place your word in us and we'll be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as you've had uh, your way with nature and nature has to obey your word, Lord, uh, so also with us as your children, uh, speak. Your servants are hearing. Uh, Lord, have your way with us for your own glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we left off with day two. So what did we see in day two? Look at verse six. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let there be a space, a beaten out expanse in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Okay, so I've been trying to doodle pictures for you, and Van Sneed sent me a, a doodle, and I think it was just like a low-key hint, like uh, use this instead of the chicken scratching that you've been doing faster. Van's an artist, so, uh, okay, so, so Van drew it like this, and, and, uh, and I think that's a good representation. Remember, we saw heaven and earth together in verse one, we place the fall of Satan between chapter one, verse one, and chapter one, verse two. All of our cross-references come together, and, and uh, we, we see then in verse two, cataclysm. And earth is moved from its place in heaven at the throne of God to the bottom of creation. Uh, we saw creation fashioned like a garment. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a space that's beaten out, and what we're gonna see on day four is that in this space, this firmament that God calls heaven, God places the cosmos there. Uh, it is a big space <laughs> that we're reading about being made here in day two. Uh, he makes this firmament. He divides the waters from the waters. So you've got waters on the earth, and then you've got the deep at the top of the universe that is actually the capstone of the universe that, that keeps us from seeing Mount Zion. Uh, God is light, our God is a consuming fire. Uh, his light could fill all of creation, but, but, but sin, rebellion, makes this division. And so we looked at that on day, on day two. So God calls the firmament heaven, verse eight, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Uh, I, want you, I want you to, so that's how we've described it biblically. I want you to see what NASA is observing in the cosmos. Uh, this is how they lay out the universe and, and to make it all fit, we've got the universe lying on its side. But do you see they're starting to figure out 
what the Bible has described all along. The universe, the cosmos is like a garment. That's how the Bible describes it. It's this garment of light. Uh, and the, the, obviously you see the, the, the trillions of, potentially trillions of galaxies that uh, make the universe this garment of light. And notice, it, it really is like the garment of Christ. It's woven throughout, you know, the garment of Christ. It's one piece of cloth and, and, and there's this access point at the top of it where the head of Christ would come through and that is a picture of creation, isn't it? At the head of creation, beyond the crystal, beyond the frozen sea, beyond the deep, uh, is the throne of God, right? It's the throne of Christ, and he is the head. He is Lord of all. And so that brings us to day three. Day three, Genesis chapter one. Let's pick it up in verse nine. And God said, let the waters under the heaven, okay, under the, under the firmament, under the heaven, be gathered together in one place. So we're talking about activity on planet Earth. And let the dry, dry, uh, dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters, plural, he called seas. And God saw it was good. So let the waters be gathered together unto one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. Now think about this. This is uh, actually the third separation that we've seen God make so far. Before, the first separation we saw him make was from light and dark. Uh, he separates light and dark, day and night. Then on day two, we saw him separate the waters from the waters. And so get this down in your notes. For a proper creation, there must be separation. Hello, somebody. If you're gonna be a proper creation, there's gonna be some separation in your life. You're not gonna be able to be bonded to any and everything, are you? There has to be separation. Light cannot be mixed with dark. You say, well, what about twilight and daylight? Well, okay, so, all right, smarty pants. You get the picture that the Bible's laying out for you here. Light and dark are two different things, aren't they? And this is what the Bible's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter six. What concord does Christ have with Belial? Come out from among them, be separate. That's the call of God to his people. And we'll see that here in 2 Corinthians chapter six. What do we need to be separate from? Well, verse 14 says, we're to be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? If God bought you, if God saved you, if Christ shed his blood to purchase you back from your bondedness to the world and sin and its devil God, come out from among them and be ye separate. We live in a day and age when the church at large is selling Christianity as world light living, right? Worldly living, just light. Go easy, don't get, don't get full on drunk. Don't, 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 don't turn into a full on crack whore. But live lascivious, I mean, what a, what a mess. Come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You do not belong to you, believer. Your body, it was bought with the price of Christ's precious blood. You do not belong to you. Your body is the temple of the living God. So as a steward, as someone who is to manage the things of God in your life, you don't own you. You actually manage you for the glory of God. God owns you. This is the temple of the living God. This is why I don't get to do with it what I want to do with it. My flesh doesn't get to do what it wants to do. If my flesh had its way, it would be oatmeal cream pies every day, all day, seven days a week. 52 weeks a year, oatmeal cream pies are right up there with, uh, with the, um, uh, the chocolate no-bake. The chocolate no-bake, pinnacle of cooking. The cooking world, the pinnacle of culinary achievement, chocolate no-bake, oatmeal cream pie, right there. To prove the, I almost, you know, I could prove the point. By this time next year, I could weigh 350 pounds. Hand to God, no joke, I could do it. I don't get to do that. I have to keep under my body because it doesn't belong to me. 
Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father to, unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Uh, there's got to be a proper separation if we're going to live as proper creation. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You don't belong to the world. You belong to another kingdom. You're citizens of heaven. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God's calling us to another way of life. There's gotta be separation. Okay, look at verse nine again. So the waters under the heavens are gathered into one place, the dry land appears. And so there's just several interesting thoughts here. And you just wanna get this down in your notes, you can, you can reflect on it later. But, but what we're looking at are the waters under the beaten out expanse, under the heaven, the outer space. The waters on the earth, and the earth now, remember, is now positioned at the bottom of creation. And in verses six through eight, we saw him divide the waters to make space for the cosmos, but now he's dividing the waters on the earth, and they're gathered, notice this, into one place. So the waters are in one place, yet they're described in the plural. He calls them seas and waters. So the picture there is, and we're not there, I don't, we don't have satellite imagery from this time, uh, I can't tell you what it looked like, but the idea is, is that the, bo- the, 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 the sea, the waters are gathered into one place, and yet they're separate bodies, so just like the seas today, the seas of this time are interconnected with some kind of obvious channel system, so that it's yet, it's one, the waters are in one place, but yet they are separate bodies, does that make sense? So the waters are gathered together in one place, he calls them waters and seas. So I don't know what to tell you beyond that, because I don't, I don't know. But the result is the dry land appears, and here's what you need to understand, it was already there. The dry land was already there. This is not the first work of creation, but remember the work of restoration. Again, we put Satan's fall between verse one and verse two here in chapter one. We know it goes somewhere between 1-1 and 3-1. When we put it between 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, all of our cross-references come together, and you can get those notes uh, at mbtkc.org in the, the media tab. Uh, so the dry land is already there. It's just now being restored. We're just now seeing renovation of what the judgment of Satan sin had ruined. And the continents, most likely, are all together. And it is interesting. There's some scientific theories now that, that have been developed that actually speak to that. And we'll look at this in more depth when we get to Genesis chapter 10 and verse 25. In the days of Peleg, um, there was a great division. And so we'll, we'll look at that. Uh, So there may have been some shifting of the land masses uh, to help the separation of the nations in Genesis chapter 10. But here's what I want you to see in these first two verses. And you get this down in your notes because this is critical. God is in control. God is in control of everything in creation. And notice, this is not like the heathen creation myths. There are no gods of creation actually organizing everything. There's no gods of nature working here. No, God says it and that settles it. And so it is. Okay, so now look at verses 11 and 13. We're gonna look at uh, plant life. Genesis uh, 1 verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were which day? The third day, it's very interesting that on the third day, what appears? See, don't miss the resurrection picture, that's your next blank. When does, what happens on the third day? Life appears. It's the first time in creation that we see life on planet Earth, and it's no mistake that it happens on the third day. Hello, somebody. Do you get the picture that Christ, that the word of Christ is painting for you here? Uh, since you may, not, you, you may not be clicking with me yet, check out Luke 24, 46. And he, Jesus, said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, on which day? The third day, when you up. Oh, 
from the grave he arose. Okay, so on the third day he rose to newness of life, to eternal life. And all who put their faith and trust in him, right, we are now in Christ, in eternal life forever. It's on the third day. And notice this is exactly what we've described here in Genesis chapter one. In Genesis chapter one, verse two, there is a death. There is judgment over sin, over Satan's rebellion. So there's the earth in death. It's buried in the deep, verse two. But here in verse nine, there's a resurrection. How amazing is that? So now, because of this third day resurrection, there's newness of life. Life shows up on which day? Not the second day, not the fourth day. It has to be the third day, otherwise it messes up the picture. Check out Romans chapter six, verse three. Know you not that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ were taken outside of time and slammed into the person of eternity? Don't you know you have slipped, sidestepped the time stream? Look at, look at the text, look at Romans chapter six. Don't you know you were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him, with Christ by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall, also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Do you see the language? Do you see how time, the, the, the time frame of your salvation is being described in Romans chapter six? You... Your old man is, right now, is, present tense, crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. How is that possible? Is it today or 2,000 years ago? Yes, in Jesus. Do you see that? He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the one who created space-time. That's why you can be reckoned dead in Christ and alive in Christ. I mean, how amazing is that? Uh, God's got all the bases covered for us in the finished work of Christ at Calvary. Our old man is crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed. For the first time in your life, now that you're in Jesus Christ, you don't have to do what this body of sin says anymore. You're not bound to it anymore. You are crucified with Christ. And the next time your, your, your body of sin, your body of flesh is saying, feed me, satisfy me, do what I want, do it. Let's follow after the pleasure of sin for a season. You can say, hey, dead man, <laughs> you're crucified with Christ. You don't get to bully me anymore. I, I hear what you want, but you're not getting it. You're it. It's too late for you, old man. You are buried, you are baptized, or you are crucified. There we go, I got my terms right. We are, you are crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, with Christ. Man, God just made for you a gospel track in the creation story. How awesome is that? He gave you this beautiful gospel track on the third day. So after the judgment of sin, after the death, the burial, three days in the tomb, on the third day is life. And notice it all comes at the word of Christ. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. Okay, look at verse 12. Here's the next thing we need to see. Seed should multiply fruit. Okay. Notice the emphasis on the seed. Uh, verse 11. The, uh, the grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself uh, the herb yielding seed after his kind, verse 12, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So let me give you an example of how this works, how quickly life can just take over <laughs> past death. Uh, have you ever considered the miracle of corn? Um, in the book, Exposing Darwinism's Leakest Week, here's this illustration. And I'm just gonna read it to you. One corn seed typically produces one stalk bearing two cobs. Each cob will have 400 to 600 kernels per cob. Thus, one seed multiplies itself 1,000 fold or more in one generation. It's pretty fruitful, isn't it? 
one to 1,000 ratio of fruitfulness. Oh God, help us to be like a corn, a corn grain. If you plant those 1,000 seeds from one stalk and each grows to maturity, and each stalk bearing two cobs with an average of 500 kernels per cob, well then that's 2,000 times 500. You get one million kernels of corn. That's in the second generation. Hello, somebody. And if you plant, if you plant those one million kernels and each stalk grows to maturity, you get a billion or more corn seeds in just three generations. This is an example, right? It's a thousand fold multiplier each time. This is just an example of the bounty with which God has filled the world for man's benefit. Such as the tremendous reproductive power of DNA, especially in the primary producer plants that must generate sufficient food, uh, food biomass so that all consumers, including we humans, can survive. God made it so that food can flourish, so that everybody has something to eat. Uh, that, is, that is good. God did something really good there. How many like corn on the cob? Sweet corn? Sweet corn on the cob? God's an artist. That's another thing, way up there on the food pyramid of good stuff to eat, okay? It's right up there next to no-bake cookies and, and, and oatmeal cream pies. Okay, so that's sweet, oh my goodness. Okay, notice also that the Bible's debunking evolution for you. Everything is to re- reproduce how? Willy-nilly, the way it wants? No, it's after its kind, isn't it? It's after its kind. The, the corn stalk, you know, never had a rough day and just got frustrated and looked over at the potato plant and said, I gotta get me some of that. That never happened, right? Corn just reproduces with corn and that's it, end of story. So over and over, you see, after his kind. After his kind is another phrase that's used 10 times in Genesis chapter one. Remember we saw the 10 commandments of nature and God saying it is good. Here's another phrase that God uses 10 times so that you won't miss the commandment of creation. There's no space for evolution. Everything reproduces after its kind. And so get this down in your notes. This destroys the theory of evolution which cannot produce even one change in kind. You cannot, the theory of evolution will never show you a jump from species to species. Ray Comfort a few years ago came out with a movie called Evolution Versus God. And he makes this point in his interviews. He says, no one can show a change of kind or species in the fossil record. And as he's interviewing these evolutionists, he keeps asking them about this. And one professor said, well, you know, creationists lack lack imagination. Well, you bet we do. We're not making up stuff. We're not making up fairy tales like they do down at UMKC, do we? Uh, Yeah, we lack imagination. Well, you gotta fill in the gaps. You gotta be creative to make, you gotta be imaginative in order to make the theory of evolution work. Well, we don't, we don't fall for blind faith. We don't fall for tricks like that. I don't like the fact that there's a creator God, so I'm gonna make up ways to ignore him. No, yeah, okay, so we, ra- we lack imagination, amen. God affirms that there is no change from one species or one kind to another, but his do- design does allow for adaptation within the species. Now, that's amazing. Why does God allow for adaptation within each species? Well, so that life can adapt, right? Life can assess, it can overcome, it can adapt and survive and thrive. This is why whenever you'll see um, areas where there's food shortages, people get short. Why, because a 90 pound body is a whole lot easier to keep alive than a 200 pound body. I can attest. Uh, The seed is in itself. So notice something else, only life can come from life. You gotta have life if you're gonna get more life, and God said it, so life, right? Uh, How did the life first show up? Well, God spoke it into existence. In him was life, right? God, I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the, what? The life, life had to beget life, had to bring forth life. So get this down in your notes. Reproduction only comes from existing life. You say, well, duh, why is that such a big deal? I'll tell you why. Everything had to start with God himself. In other words, you can't throw an eternity at dirt and get life. 
Dirt plus time, no matter how many millions or billions of years you throw at it, it cannot produce, it cannot make life, and yet that's what modern science, wait, let me pull out my air quotes, that's what modern science, falsely so-called, says what happened. Says, you know, just throw enough time at dirt and you get Superman. That must have happened. Okay, well, who's, who's following fairy tales? By that logic, dirt plus time equals Superman, because that's exactly what evolution is saying. We'll throw billions of years at dirt, and we'll get life, and we'll throw millions of years at that, and we'll get evolving life that's gonna result in the pinnacle of humanity, homo deus. You know, we're getting ready to replace homo sapiens. You know, we're gonna be supermen. We will be, oh yeah, we will be standing in the place of God as God, showing ourselves that we are God. Have you been checking out what they're saying about the coming singularity? Uh, they're just saying in a, few, in a few short years, we will be gods. Come on, that didn't work out for Satan. How's that gonna work out for the oligarchs? By that logic, you throw enough time at dirt, anything can happen. Tell any story you want. Sure, a monkey's your uncle. Claim it with no proof whatsoever. <laughs> Real science, okay, get this. If this is not in your notes, you need it in your notes. Real science is limited to only what can be observed by man so what that means is real science can't tell us anything about origins, anything about creation, nothing about the origin of our species. A wise man once wrote, in the first page of the Bible, a child may learn more in one hour than all the scientists of the world, than all that the scientists of the world have learned without it in thousands of years. Science can't tell us much of anything. We don't know how they built Stonehenge. We don't know how they built the Great Pyramids. Science doesn't know how to make a blade of grass or even a single-celled organism. Science can't do that. Science can't make its own, you've heard the joke, right? Science comes to God and says, we don't need you anymore. Uh, we have arrived at your level of expertise and so, God, you are dismissed. And God says, well, let's see. I mean, is that really true? And how about we have a little contest? Um, we're, we're gonna make a, just a single-celled organism. We're gonna see if we can do that. And science had evolved so much that they were able to do it. They were able to produce a single-celled organism. And uh, they're patting each other on the back and everybody's high-fiving and God says, well, you know, let's, let's make sure that you don't need me. Um, you, you have to now produce the elements and the items that you made the single-celled organism from. And so they do that. You know, they, they get in their their reactors and they build the elements out and, and they're high-fiving and they're giving each other uh, a lot of props for, for how smart they are and how much they, they don't need God anymore. And God's like, yeah, that's amazing. You did all that from dirt. Okay, now, now make your own dirt. <laughs> make something from nothing. So science can't tell us what happened in the beginning. They can't do it. They can't even make a single-celled microbe. They can't do it. So how are they gonna explain the God who made everything out of nothing? How are they gonna do it? Man, the Bible is a university. The Bible is an education. The Bible is wisdom. The Bible is theology. The Bible is anthropology. The Bible is biblical philosophy. And with it, you can have the mind of Christ himself. Man, that just, that's, that's amazing. That gets me fired up to know my Bible, man. Stick with the Bible. Okay, here's another thing we need to see this morning. Notice that this life, it must reproduce. So let's not miss the picture. Life must reproduce. And so here we see all of the trees, the grasses, the herbs. These are used in the word of God to picture men. That's your next blank. These things picture men. Men are likened to trees, and I give you several cross-references for that in your notes, but here's a big one. Mark chapter eight, verse 24. Guy's getting his sight back. What do you see? I see men, he said. I see men as trees walking. Why? Because the Bible does not want you to miss that picture. Trees picture men. This is why the Bible tells you that trees are beautiful to look at. Uh, ladies, have you ever looked at a man and thought, Art, that's beautiful. I could look at him all day. Nobody's gonna admit to that. But the dudes are like, the guys aren't much to look at, but when God made a woman, holy smokes, art. I could look at her all day, he says. I mean, I gotta tell you, 
I love a beautiful tree and I love my beautiful wife. I, I just love looking at her, okay? Men are likened to trees. I don't know, I don't know why that is. I mean, we've been, we're, um, Chris, we got, we got married a year after you guys, is that right? So are you 30 this year? 31, okay, so that must mean I'm getting, I'm right at 30 years of marriage. It's, it's, I'm, I'll get this figured out before my anniversary. Okay, so, you might need to get that. It could be important. Okay, so, 30 years, and uh, I just, I still just like, I, I like looking at her. God did that, that's, a, that's, a, that's just an amazing thing, what a gift. Men are likened to grass. Grass is your next blank. This is why, you know, whenever some, some punk tells you your hiney is grass and I'm a lawnmower, he got that from the Bible. <laughs> Men are likened to grass. Why? Because the Bible says the life of man withers easily. And just after a short time, Isaiah 40, verse 6, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? cry. What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. It's nothing like a good, healthy, green lawn, you know? It feels good under your feet. You want to set in it. You want to lay out in it. I mean, there's just something, especially that just, that you get your yard finally working for you. <laughs> Everything's, you got, all, you got rid of all the dandelions finally, and it just looks like this perfect green blanket that's about early June, okay? By early July, it just looks like somebody uses toilet paper. I mean, what happened? It went from being this lush, vibrant thing that you just enjoyed to just, it's a husk now by July the 4th and, and you can't light your fireworks because your house is gonna burn up because the, gr the grass is so dry. That's verse seven, the grass withereth and the flower fadeth because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Verse seven is God's way of saying, your hiney is grass and I'm a lawnmower. Uh, it's time to get right. Men are likened to a herb, right? The herb with the seed in itself. Herbs, um, the, the, their reproduction is just a little bit different. You know, we have the word of God in ourselves, don't we? We're like the herb. The seed is in ourselves, and so we have the ability to reproduce spiritual life if we're a spiritual person. If you're a born-again child of God, it's because the seed of the word is in you, and now it can reproduce. Check out 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. We are born again. How's it work? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which abideth and liveth forever, or liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh, is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass. See, Isaiah is quoting, or Peter is quoting Isaiah 40, isn't he? And the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but, but now watch this. In, in Isaiah 40, verse seven, God says that the grass withereth, the flower, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. And so Peter quotes that. But instead of saying the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass, notice how he shifts gears. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Yeah, we are like grass. And God, the spirit of God blows and we're withered. And that can be either final death in sin or it can be newness of life because the seed of the word liveth forever. The word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. In the parable of the sower and the seed, uh, the sower and the seed, God gets very clear. He says, uh, the seed is the word of God. Don't miss that picture. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse five says, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure. What do we have in our hearts? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. We heard the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ and now it's in our heart. The seed of the word of God, it's spiritual seed. The word of the Lord endureth forever. That's in our hearts. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Let the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
So we are like the herb, the seed, the spiritual seed of God is in us. That's why we're able to reproduce spiritual fruit. And so don't miss this. We're to bear fruit. We're to be fruitful. We're to multiply. And we also, don't miss this, brothers and sisters. This is like everything (laughs) this morning. We are to reproduce after our kind. Who we are is what we reproduce. And this is so critical. We're to reproduce after our kind. Psalms 1 verse 3 says, we're to be like trees planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. We're supposed to be a chip off the old block. What's God's will for our life? We know this from Romans chapter eight. God's will is that we would be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The person, the personality, the mind, right? The living God is being formed in us. For me to live is is who? Self, no it's Christ, and to die is gain. Uh, Christ is being formed in me, my Bible tells me. For me to live is Christ. Okay, so what's happening? I am, I'm growing up to be like my elder brother, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That what, that's what God is doing. So everything that's in my life, the good, the bad, the ugly, it's all working together for good because the seed of the word is in me. I'm called by his name, right? I have this love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All things work together for my good. I'm being conformed. What, what, what happened? Christ, the life of Christ is being reproduced in my life and that should continue. We should reproduce after our kind. That bring it, be like that tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Okay, now check out Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 15. Jesus gives a warning. Beware of false teachers, false prophets, which come to you, they, they, they know the lingo, they know the church lingo, and they wanna help, they're excited about what's going on at Midtown. Man, what's going on in your Bible study? It's really exciting, this is the Lord's work. Praise the Lord, brother, praise the Lord, sister, I wanna help. So they come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Why, because everything, this is just a principle you cannot, you can't get around it, Everything reproduces after its kind. A wolf may dress like a sheep, but it can't pop out another sheep. (laughs) It's just gonna keep having puppies, man. I mean, there's just no way around it. Everything reproduces after its kind. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns? Or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Jesus' point is everybody knows this. Ain't nobody got time for a corrupt tree bearing bad fruit, evil fruit. That's firewood, that's what that is. You know a tree by its fruits. Well, I can't believe you'd try to judge me like that. I, you know, I, I, no one can judge what's in your heart. But they can have a pretty good approximation of it by what comes out of your mouth because that's the fruit that you'll bear. They can have a pretty good approximation of what's in your heart and in your mind by how you live your life. By their fruits, you shall know them. God's word, you know, tells us not to judge there, there are things that are outside our purview, okay? I can't judge your heart, I can't judge your motives. All I can see is what you do. We're told to be fruit inspectors, right? So, you say you love the Lord, you're wearing sheep's clothing, stop howling, right? Let's, uh, let's work on your vocabulary. Stop howling, start buying, bleeding, start bleeding. <laughs> quit, quit, quit having puppies. Let's have lambs. Okay, so notice the importance of the seed. Okay, now this is critical to the propagation of life. That's your next blank. The seed's, the seed's critical to everything. That's how life propagates. Look at Luke 8, verse 1. Again, very plainly, don't miss the picture. The seed is the word of God. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. We're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible 
by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. How do you get the incorruptible, ever abiding seed of the word of God? Well, Romans 10, 17 told you how the seed was planted in your heart. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the seed, the word of God. So believer, that is what's in you. That's the seed that is in you. That's the life, the gospel of God that is in you. And again, we just saw it. It's, it's so critical, we look at it again. Second Corinthians four. This is the treasure that we have now in these earthen vessels. It's the seed of the word of God. So we don't preach ourselves, we preach Christ. We preach Christ and him crucified, that's what we do. Just like God commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, that light is now shining in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now that light is in this flesh, it's in these earthen vessels, so what has to happen? We need to be broken before God and man. We don't get anything done in the power of our flesh, in the pride of our heart. We have, these, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so here's the question on the floor this morning. Are you seeing the life that comes from the seed of the word of God? Is that what's coming out of your life? Or are you spiritually dead this morning? That's the question. When you examine your life, when you as a fruit inspector examine the fruit in your life, is it good fruit or is it corrupt fruit? Is it biblical fruit or is it evil fruit? What is coming out of your life? Uh, you'll, hear, you'll hear preachers describe it this way. Let's say you are being accused and tried for being a Bible-believing Christian. And now you're in a court of law, would there be a, actually enough evidence of that to convict you? Would you actually be pronounced guilty? <laughs> would they be able to convict you of that? What is coming out of your life, or as you examine the fruit of your life, would you say, I know I'm a tree, but there's no fruit. Spiritually, I'm not producing. Spiritually, I'm dead. Well, I got good news for you. We've got a good deal on seed this morning. And you can purchase without price. You can have all you want. Get some today. Okay, this can be the start of the rest of your life, a whole new way of rolling. See, there's a principle that you need to understand. No apple falls far from the tree. In other words, you produce what you are. And so if you are, a, 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 how, did, how did the Lord put it? Um, yeah, a corrupt tree, Matthew 7. Good trees bring forth good fruit. Corrupt trees bring forth evil fruit. A corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit, okay? You reproduce what you are. And oh, how we need the person of Christ, the word of Christ formed us, the mind of Christ formed in us. Again, Matthew 7, so critical, we need to look at it again. Beware those who look like Christians, but really they're ravening wolves. They come to you in sheep's clothing, inwardly, they're ravening wolves. How do we tell the difference between the wolf and the sheep? Well, it's by their fruits you shall know them. It's by their fruits you shall know them. Everything reproduces after its kind. And if everything that's coming out of our lives does not look like Jesus, it doesn't look like the word of Christ, it doesn't sound like, it doesn't communicate like the mind of Christ, it's not the words of Christ that are coming out of our mouth, right? It's not the person, it's not the word, it's not the, it's not the work of God coming out of our life. Can I just submit to you, it's because the wrong seed is in there. You're reproducing after your kind and that's the problem. Do you see that? Man, God, I don't know why I can't live like a Christian. I don't know why. I don't know why I can't move forward in faith. I don't know why all I can ever seem to do is attend a church service from time to time. It's because the seed never made it into the heart. By the fruit, we can know. If all that comes out of you, right, if all of the fruit that's coming out of your life is foul, it's the wrong seed. You can't judge me, Pastor. I'd never. I don't know what's in your mind. I don't know what's in your heart. What's coming out of your life? 
Is it fallen out to glory to God? That's the question. In Genesis, you get a principle that you can trace all the way through your Bible. Everything reproduces after its kind. And if MBT is gonna be a soul-winning, disciple-making, leadership-equipping church, guess what? We gotta have followers of Christ at MBT. They have to be born again. Do you know how many people are gonna spend eternity in hell because they attended church services and they thought that made them right with God? Do you know how many people are gonna be in hell because they did good works and they thought that now God owes them, that'll make them right with God? Do you know how many people will be in hell for eternity because they prayed a prayer in Sunday school? That's what I did in second grade, man. I don't wanna go to hell, I wanna go to heaven. Well, pray this prayer with me. And I didn't understand a thing I was doing or a word that I was saving, but after I got done, I was convinced I was going to heaven and I was no more saved than this pulpit. Do you think this pulpit's gonna be in heaven? That'd be kind of fun if we could haul it out, but do you th- I, no, man. <laughs> this thing will be consumed in 2 Peter chapter three. There's your homework. Do you know how many people will have been in services, they prayed prayers at God, and they'll spend eternity separate from him? Wrong seed. <laughs> Everything's reproduced. Why can't I get along with my wife? Why, why, why are my kids mad at me all the time? Why am I at enmity with people so much of the time? Why is this? Why am I so frustrated? Why am I so, whatever it is, man. I'm just so consumed with the cares of this world. I can't ever be happy or content with God unless my man is in the mayor's office or the White House. Come on. Wrong seed. Everything reproduces after its kind. But man, when the light of the knowledge of God is shining in your hearts, whenever you've got this right relationship with the Father through the finished work of the Son, and it's not through your works, it's not through your effort, you got saved by God's grace through faith, and now Christ indwells your heart by faith, man, that's everything. Moving forward, that's all that matters. And for you to live is to know Christ. For you to let Christ is your life and the cry of your heart becomes, I wanna know him more. I wanna grow in my relationship with him. To know him and the fellowship of his suffering, that's everything. I wanna be made conformable to his death. The old man isn't running me anymore. Do you see the difference? As you examine your life, what fruit is being produced? Because everything reproduces after its kind. And I'm telling you, some of you here this morning, you are of your father the devil and it's his lust that you do. The God of this world, there are two spiritual families and you're either in God's family or biblically you're in Satan's family. You say, well, I'm the, I'm the son of Mike Miles or whatever. Oh, that's in the flesh, okay? Spiritually, there are only two families in the Bible. I'd like us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And please, nobody moving around. This is a time for us to examine ourselves. And I want you to think about something. Right now, after day three, the earth is set to sustain mankind. All living things will have all the food that they need. Can I tell you, that's because God is a good father. He's a good provider. Don't you know God is love? And so to, 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 to build out creation, to build out beings, just to watch them starve, come on, God's not gonna have it. He is a good God, and he is greatly loved and provided for us. He is a good father. The question is, are you listening? God's not willing that any would perish. Why are you so frustrated? Why is there no fruit? Beautiful thing can happen this morning if, if we'll just do it. This, this is an opportunity to just repent. God, I'm tired of trying to figure out how to be right, you're right. I just need to submit and listen. <laughs> the fruit that's coming out of my life, I'm just so frustrated with it. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart and my life in repentance of sin, God? I just ask for your forgiveness. Lord, would you save me? I need to be born again. God, I need you in my life. Man, when God hears somebody get humble and just plead over the truth of the gospel, just plead with him, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. 
Come into my heart. Come into my life and save me. I submit my life to Christ. Man, the Bible is so clear that Christ will enter in and he'll make you a new creature. Your old life will pass away. Behold, all things will become new. No longer. God can turn a wolf into a sheep. Man, that's amazing. <laughs> You're a new creature in Christ. Your old wolf life has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How amazing is that? Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because my life is bearing wrong fruit. I need Christ in my life. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that here this morning? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yeah, I see. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. It's the wrong, it's the wrong seed. And I need, yes, sir. Anyone else? I need, I need the word of Christ, the person of Christ, the life of Christ in me. Please pray for me. Only another moment. Okay, I see you in the back. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna pray and then you got a decision to make. You know, there's some of you, you are born again. You are saved. And you're not living Christ, you're actually living in the flesh. You're trying to root wrong seed. You're trying to root the wrong plant, you know? And that's frustrating because that'll never work. There's enmity between the spirit and the flesh and they're lusting against one another and that's just a cause for frustration because the Holy Spirit's grieved in your life and, and can I just tell you, God is gracious. Man, if there's, he, he, remember what he told the disciples uh, to forgive not seven times but 70 times seven? You know, I mean that's amazing to me. Just humble yourself, confess, start following. You'll probably trip up again, I don't know, maybe not. Uh, God is gracious to pick us back up, to lift us back up. God is gracious. To, he, he is in the business of restoration. I say this a lot here. I want to say it one more time. God's worth being right with. Amen? Let's be done with the excuses. Let's be done with the reasons for why we can't move forward in faith. Let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Father, you see all of the hands, and there's so many of us that, that it's the wrong fruit. And uh, and Lord, you've opened eyes today to see that it's the wrong seed and that's the root issue. And so God, uh, we're a bunch of, uh, in so many cases here, you see so many hands. It's withered grass, withered plants, withered life that, that Lord, your spirit is blowing and, and it's either gonna be to destruction or restoration. The spirit moved on the face of the waters and then light shone. And so Lord, let the light of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Let the light of the gospel shine in hearts this morning. And so God, I pray for your grace for people not to just acknowledge need, but Lord, to, to receive, to come and buy this treasure, to come and buy without price, without cost, to freely receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, these are things that, that only you can do in the life of a person, and, but they have to come. They have, to, they have to call, they have to ask in order to receive, and so I just ask for your grace for that. And then for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, help us to be done with excuses. Lord, help us to move forward in faith, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.